0: Welcome everybody, and we're still in the Gospel series, and we're in part 14 here. Isn't it so warm today? You know, we were just talking about that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got to really appreciate the weather here in Canada, because I know Scotland's been snowed in. I, Bill, uh, we, I was in touch with Bill this week, and he's had 12 inches of snow. I keep telling them, move to a warm part of the world. Move to Canada. Because when we moved here, everybody thought we were under 12 inches of snow permanently all the year round. So, we're into the Gospel. And we've been looking at and getting to a deeper understanding of what's going to happen in the first resurrection, haven't we, over the last couple of weeks? And who is affected in that first resurrection? It's critical for us to understand that. And we saw last week that it's only those who are redeemed who are raised in that first resurrection. Remember in Daniel 12.2, we saw it, we're going to see it again this week. Daniel, it's depicted in Daniel that it's those who are his those who belong to Christ, and we went ahead and defined that last week, but importantly, it's these same redeemed are raised to two different outcomes. They're not raised to the same outcome. We saw that in Daniel, and we're going to see it again. And some redeemed are raised to everlasting. Remember that? We saw that. Everlasting. Age-lasting. Yeah? Ionian life in Daniel twelve two. While others who are also redeemed, they're also redeemed, but they're raised in that exact same resurrection, Right? And remember the redeemed. Yeah, don't forget that. But they're raised to age-lasting, ionian contempt. We've got to understand this and we've got to see how that just fits in exactly, dovetails exactly into what Jesus Christ told us when he was here on earth. And we're going to see that that absolutely confirms the words of Jesus Christ. But it won't confirm the theology of the day. Yeah? It'll be at cross purposes to the theology. And we've got to take on Jesus' theology, don't we? He should know. He should know what's right. And he does know what's right. But what happens is, we try and twist the scripture to line up with what we already believe. Or with what we want to believe. Yeah? And we can't afford to do that. Because remember last week, we saw, if you find yourself on the wrong train, remember that? Going on the wrong direction, yeah? There's no sense in running up the corridor. In the opposite direction. You've got to jump off. Mm -hmm. But so few want to jump off. Why? Because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to jump off. But many already are. Thank goodness. Because often, when you decide to jump off, the train is still moving. Isn't it? It's moving. Because when you need to do that, the train is still so often moving. And you've got your family relationships. You've got your church relationships. You've got your own pride, yeah? All these are factors that'll stop you and I jumping off that theological train that's going in the wrong direction, and we can't afford to do that. We've got to jump off and onto Jesus Christ's train, what he says is true. So this week, we're going to come to an understanding of what age-lasting Ionian contempt is in the scripture, and what it actually means. And we're going to start to also look who are going to be involved and the only other resurrection, did you hear that? The only other resurrection depicted in the scripture, which is the second resurrection, mm-hmm. revealed, remember, to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. Remember, we've got to remember, the second resurrection was not visible. Remember that. The second resurrection that we're going to be looking at, we're still focused on the first, but the second resurrection that we're going to be looking at wasn't visible. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't visible until it was revealed to John in the book of Revelation. So Daniel didn't see it, did he? He only saw those who were dead and belonged to Christ raising out of the graves. He didn't even know what happened to those who were alive. That was later revealed to the Apostle Paul. We've seen that. Jesus didn't mention it. And Paul didn't see it either. Yeah. So when these guys are looking at a resurrection, there's only one in view. The first one. In Daniel, that's what they're focused on. So when we look in the book of Revelation, don't think everyone else saw what you're reading. <laughs> yeah, They didn't. Why? Because it hadn't been revealed. So God had not revealed it at that time. So when Titus was written by the Apostle Paul, he wasn't talking about and looking at the book of Revelation. He was looking straight back long time ago to the promise made in Daniel. It's so important that we understand that and we understand the kind of time frames that we're dealing with. Now, we have to be very clear on a really important point here when we look at these subjects that we're in today. Right? Because the title today is Outer Darkness, what is it and who goes into it? And I'm always amazed how much interest people have in this outer darkness. Do you know virtu- I have virtually no interest in it other than it's declared in scripture. Our focus has not got to be on what outer darkness is all about. Our focus has got to be on that narrow gate. What do I need to do? Am I doing what it takes to get through that narrow gate? But outer darkness does come up. We're going to see it today, and we're going to deal with it. But we're not going to spend six weeks on it, yeah, because none of us are uh, intending to be there, right. yeah. So we got. To, and the other really important point that I want you—you you want to write something down today. We have to limit ourselves to what's revealed in the Scripture. Don't go off on a theological tangent and superimpose everybody on top of this outer darkness and who goes there, what it is, and all that stuff. We've got to limit ourselves to what the Scriptures say. We've got to limit ourselves to what the Scriptures say. And guess what? The Scriptures don't say a whole pile about it. So your knowledge and my knowledge of outer darkness is going to be what's declared in the Scripture. Don't go outside of that. Don't write a book on it. You know what I mean? I mean, there's so many people writing books and stuff, and the scriptures don't declare so much of that given subject, yeah? Now, a really important aspect of this understanding comes from the timing that's depicted in scripture, and who is being addressed. Now, the term outer darkness is actually used three times only in the book of Matthew, so that narrows our focus down a little bit. We've got three places to go today <laughs> to figure this out, yeah? So, let's first look at the timing and the specific, hold on, context. Yeah? Context. Remember how important that is? Yeah? Context of the statements that Jesus Christ made about outer darkness. And guess what? He always told the truth. Mm -hmm. So, when we read these, yeah, it's not my idea. It's not going to be your theological idea. I don't care how many letters you have before or after your name. It's what he said. And let's limit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. But so many don't do that; they go on with these theological boomerangs that do come back and hit them in the back of the head, because so often they're making stuff up. And we're going to see we won't make anything up, and you don't need to make anything up. This is frightening enough the way Jesus Christ depicts it. Yeah. Now we have to look at all three references to this place called outer darkness, which we're going to see. We're, we're actually going to see. It's only addressed directly at the redeemed. Mm -hmm. Yeah? It's the redeemed. It's not those outside of the church that are going to end up in outer darkness. That's going to become so clear to us today. It's got absolutely nothing to do with them. And we saw that right at the beginning of this session, of this series, that the gospel is addressed to the redeemed. Mm -hmm. Yeah? It's addressed to the redeemed. And we saw last week, it's only the redeemed being raised in the first resurrection. That should immediately indicate who has been addressed. It's the redeemed. So don't try now and superimpose this on anyone outside of the church. Yeah? The outsiders are not being addressed. Yeah? We're going to see that because of, of only one thing that we, that we see today. It's the context. The first resurrection doesn't deal with the outsiders. How can the outer darkness relate to them? It can't, and it doesn't. Yeah. And believe me, the outsiders are going to get taken care of <laughs> in the scriptures, and you will see it in the second resurrection. So don't be too concerned about them. God's got a plan, and He'll work through that plan despite our theology. And we'll see this as we move on today, and, and we allow the context to depict. Who is being addressed? And then we come to terms with what the scripture's description is of outer darkness. What it actually is. Let's read Daniel 12 first. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Never, such as never has been seen, has never been since there was a nation till that time. I mean that should speak so loudly to us. There's never going to be a time like this in the history of mankind when the tribulation hits and the great tribulation hits. There's never been a time like it. Mm-hmm. And there's some horrific events, not only going on today, but have gone on in historically. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth right, shall awake, these to everlasting life, and these to shame and everlasting contempt. Bit of a review. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and what we've been going through the last few weeks. So we have the background, don't we? And we went into the Scriptures in more detail last week on that specific verse. So you can refer refer to it on our website. Now, we've been in Matthew 7, haven't we? Some focal verses there about the narrow gate, haven't we? Looking at that narrow gate, looking at what changes are going to have to happen in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. If. it's It's a small word, but it's huge in the Scripture. If. We are to enter through that narrow gate. Yeah? Because remember, the narrow gate is a figurative description of the entrance into the kingdom. Yeah? But do you remember what Jesus said? He brought the child, if you don't change, unless you change, you're not going to enter in. But today the theology is it doesn't matter how much you change. You're going to enter in anyway. Because you've got it all. Future, present, Past alright. Past current future sins all taken care of. Not according to the scripture then. So now before we move into these verses, I want us to be very clear on a very important truth concerning the redeemed. Being redeemed by God is not something you can lose. Yeah. You don't become unredeemed. <laughs> there's no record there's no of scripture that indicates that. And the, the, Scripture Cries out to us. We're going to see it first in Romans 11. Here, cries out to us that God doesn't change His mind. He doesn't redeem you and then say, "Oh, hold on, I'm going to unredeem you now." Yeah. So, redemption is solid. Redemption cannot be lost. So, I want us to be see- so clear on that because many will hear this teaching and take from it that redemption doesn't mean anything. Redemption certainly does. Absolutely. You cannot move into the kingdom unless you've been redeemed. You cannot see the scripture unless you've been redeemed by God. Did you hear that? By God, not by you holding up your hand in a meeting. Redemption is God's job. Saw that last week. Because nothing could be further from the truth. You cannot lose your redemption. So let's make sure we're absolutely clear on that before we go and see the outcome of those who are redeemed. Yeah. And don't forget that many equate redemption to the future and in their minds their immediate salvation it is not immediate salvation because we've seen that salvation is a process that we walk towards in faith did you hear that walking in faith towards that promised inheritance is how we receive our complete salvation in the kingdom to come right so these are two completely different words yeah you can tell by the spelling can't you Two completely different meanings. Two completely different words. Redemption doesn't mean salvation and vice versa. Yeah? Romans 11, 28. So let's look at this, Romans 11:28 on the basis of what this redemption involves. Yeah, And why a redeemed person, despite being redeemed by God, doesn't receive a f- their salvation in the coming kingdom. Because that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see redeemed people, and we've seen it already in the narrow gate. They're shouting outside the kingdom, aren't they? They're redeemed people shouting outside the kingdom, Lord, Lord, I want to get in. He said, no, you came the wrong direction. 28, 11, 28. As regards the gospel, now we, are we clear on what the gospel is? It's the, the gospel is not a Bible verse. It's not, you know, the story of Jesus. It's what he spoke about. Mm-hmm. It's that coming, promised inheritance in that earthly coming kingdom right here on earth, not in a heaven. So as regards the gospel, so what is he talking about? He's talking about the coming kingdom. Paul, by revelation, in the book of Romans, they, and the context will tell you this is talking specifically about Israel, are the enemies of God for your sake. But as regards election, that's referring to redemption. Because you see it in this whole section of Romans, Romans 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, we're in 11. Yeah, this is all about the calling of God. Redemption is the calling of God. Regards the election, they, Israel, are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Listen to the next verse now. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They're irrevocable. God doesn't change his mind. When someone is redeemed, he doesn't change his mind. And he doesn't change his mind because of how you live your life. That redemption is eternal, bought by the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ for those who God calls. Yeah. Verse 30. Now, really important you watch out for this word, starting with D, disobedience. We're going to see why these, despite being redeemed, despite being called, being in the, in the election of God, disobedience ensures the outcome. Our obedience ensures the outcome. Do you get it? Verse 30. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their Israel's what? Disobedience. Didn't mean they weren't redeemed. Didn't mean they weren't called of God. But they were disobedient. So they, still referring to Israel, too, have now been disobedient in order that by mercy shown to you that they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all." And we're going to see the significance of disobedience. Because disobedience and obedience are the key factors to us understanding outer darkness. Why a redeemed person can end up in a place other than where Jesus Christ wants them, other than where God wants them, it's going to be down to disobedience. We're going to see that so important. And we're going to start out looking at these references to outer darkness. Do you see, as we go into these three records on outer darkness, again, they're all in Matthew, but the first verse we go to is Matthew chapter 8. Remember I mentioned Matthew chapter 7 earlier. Do you see where the context is? Do you see where the timing is? Yeah, He's talking about the narrow gate, and he gets to chapter 8, and he starts talking about outer darkness. Why do we know that has to be referring to the redeemed? Because of the context. He's talking about entrance into the kingdom. He's talking about those who aren't going to enter into the kingdom. Yeah. So it's really, really important we understand that chapter eight is close to chapter seven. Yeah. Yeah, I told you to learn something when you come to church here. <laughs> yeah. Now, really important point to notice here is the context of these occurrences. Yeah? Now, the first occurrence is not in the context of a parable. Yeah. While the second and third ones actually occurrences are in the context of two different parables and we should immediately ask parables about what (laughs) yeah don't just suck these verses out of context and start talking about out of darkness look at where they're set look at what's before it look at what's after it it's going to show and clarify for us in a fantastic way who it's talking about and what it's talking about here follows on, what goes before and what follows on elaborates on what the outer darkness is. So we just can't suck these references right out of the context and then superimpose them onto who we want to superimpose them onto. (laughs) Yeah? Like I said earlier, oh yeah, that's got to be people outside the church. Yeah? Because remember last week? Korah! Remember that? Hold on, Moses! Hold on, Aaron! The congregation is holy! Every one of them is holy! And they're all holy! And hey, The Lord is among them all. Now, where are they? Where are they holy? Was God among them? Absolutely not. Don't listen to people who tell you the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Leave them alone. Jesus Christ never left them alone. And neither did Paul, neither did the greatest men of God that ever walked the face of the earth ever leave the redeemed alone. Why? Because that's where all the issues are. So, Matthew 8. We're just going to read through these three uh, initially, right? Matthew eight twelve. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Yeah. Matthew twenty two, verse thirteen. Now we're going to read these in context, I'm not just sucking them out of context here. Yeah, I just want to read through them. Matthew twenty two thirteen. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25:30, and cast the worthless servant, there's a clue there, <laughs> if you haven't picked it up, he's a servant, yeah, the worthless servant, into the outer darkness, in the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So as we read this section in context, we're going to have to keep the backdrop of what we've already been in over the last few weeks. We've seen the redeemed of God getting excluded, haven't we? There's an expulsion there. And we've got to reconcile that. And the reason people twist the scripture so often is because their theology doesn't allow for that. Well, Jesus' theology does. Yes, yeah, so you better buy his books. And we've got it, most of us, on our knees. <laughs> his book is there. That's the one we've got to go by because it's referring to the earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, are we clear on one thing? You're either in the kingdom or you're not. I think I said a couple of weeks ago, there's not one leg in, yeah, one foot in, following the judgment seat of Christ. We are judged for the good and the evil. Because the many don't see that. The many superimpose rewards on top of all the redeemed. You all get on the internet, stick judgment seat in there, and see the bunch of garbage you get talking about the judgment seat of Christ. You never hear evil mentioned in most of these places. Mm. It's only the good, period. Why? Because the theology doesn't allow for it. Well, as I said, Jesus Christ's theology does. And we better catch on. Because their depiction of 2 Corinthians 5.10 reads like this. In your notes. For we must all appear before the judge of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due him for what he has done in the body, whether good. And then they scratch out the evil. (laughs) Because why? Because the congregation is holy. Because the congregation, there is no evil. We've been super, we've been covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and when God looks at you, He looks at Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. I wish that was true. Just think back this last week in your life and my life, if we ever fell short one time. Of course we did. Yeah, and that's why we have a high priest. So the church, for the most part today don't read or evil. They blank it out. But we have to read it. Why? Why? Because it's right here throughout Scripture. Read Romans 14.10. It tells us again. We're going to come before the judgment seat. So 2 Corinthians 5.10 should read, yeah, For we must all appear, be, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one, no one missed, each one may receive what is due for what he has done. What determines the outcome? Obedience. What you've done. That's why the foolish virgins were shut out. They hadn't taken the complete and proper preparation. They were shut out of the kingdom. Their theology doesn't allow for that. We're gonna see it. In the body. Where? No, when you get to heaven. Not even when he comes back. It's already happened. Do you see that? In the body you've already done it. You're responsible. Remember I saw last week? Accountable for what's going to happen, whether good or evil. So we're judged for the good or the evil, whether we like it or not. Whether your theology agrees with that or not, it's not going to change the outcome. And we'll see that very clearly today. Hey, some more discomfort for us. huh? (laughs) We're going to get judged. Yeah, We're going to get judged. So let's read the first occurrence of outer darkness in its context. And as I say, this is the only occurrence not tied to a... Parabolic section. This is actually a record of Jesus meeting somebody in real life. This is not a parable. The other two are Matthew 8, 5. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion, this is a Gentile, somebody outside of the redeemed of Israel, came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Well, that's, that's great news, isn't it? But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. What a fantastic believing. What fantastic faith. Verse 9. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you those who are, who are following him, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Not incredible. And verse one I stuck it in there for you. It was great crowds following him. So there was great crowds of Israel following him, as far as we can see, and he 's telling them, i've never seen this is a guy outside of Israel, he 's a Gentile, and i've never seen any such faith inside." of the redeemed. So Jesus here is comparing those coming from outside of the Israel nation, isn't it, Getting into his kingdom, while some of the redeemed inside of Israel are shown not being allowed to enter. Now it doesn't specifically mention right, that this guy entered into the kingdom. But what I want you to see here is I want you to see the comparison that he's making. He's saying to the children of the redeemed of Israel, he's saying, hold on I'm seeing more faith outside. Outside of those redeemed. Outside of God's chosen people. Than I am inside. That's going to become significant as we go through these other records. Verse 11. I tell you. Many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So he's elaborating now. Yeah. That there's going to be people from all the different nations. From outside of Israel. Coming into the kingdom. Why? Remember we saw it earlier? Disobedience. Disobedience. And look at verse twelve. While the sons of the kingdom, so he's comparing those outside, those those nations outside, compared to those he refers to here as the sons of the kingdom. They're going to be thrown into outer darkness. Now do you see that? It's the sons of the kingdom that are getting thrown into this location called outer darkness. In that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus is making the point here that many are going to come into the kingdom who are coming from different areas outside of Israel, outside the redeemed called of Israel, while the sons of the kingdom are thrown into outer darkness. Now the term sons so often gets confused. The term sons here is not a genealogical term. It's a term of heirship. It's a title of heirship. Those of Israel who were redeemed, because we're talking about sons of the kingdom, they were redeemed, they were in line for their heirship into that kingdom. So why don't they get it? Disobedience. Disobedience. They're coming in a different direction. They're coming the way they think they should come and not the way he said to come. But let me ask you, are these redeemed of Israel the only ones rejecting Jesus Christ the Messiah? Absolutely not. Look around your life. I wish that was true, but it's not. The world, for the most part, is rejecting the gospel of the Messiah. So Jesus, in this, in this context, is contrasting between those outside of Israel being accepted into his kingdom. While those sons of the kingdom... Those who are in line for that airship, who are depicted here as being those of the redeemed of Israel, they just don't make it. (laughs) But really important to note here, it's not about their blood lineage, is it? Because the dispensationalists in life love this stuff. Why? Because they then superimpose this passage onto only Israel. Oh no, that's not talking about the congregation. The congregation is holy, every one of them, and God is among them. That can't be talking about us. Oh yes, it is. God doesn't rate your disobedience by your dispensational theology. (laughs) Yeah? It's got absolutely nothing to do with these guys being Israeli or Jewish or the redeemed of God. It's got to do with their actions in their flesh. Remember the judgment seat. Yeah? Verse 13, and to the centurion Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Isn't that fantastic? Wow, what faith. So one thing we know from this record is, yeah, Abraham's going to make it. (laughs) Yeah, do you remember that one? Yeah, verse 11, Abraham's going to make it into the kingdom. Isaac's going to make it. And Jacob is going to make it right into Christ's earthly kingdom. Isn't that fantastic? So we know the disciples are going to make it. you got your calculator out. Right? 12 and 3 is 15. We know 15 are going to make it. And I would venture to say that every writer of the scripture is going to make it. Now we've got 66 books of the Bible, but let's cut it down to 50 because they wrote multiple books. Yeah? What was the number I had? 15 was it? 15, 15 and 50. 65 are going to make it. <laughs> yeah? And then we've got Hebrews 11, a whole list of people there who I think will make it. Count them up when you get home. But we're still, I think, less than a hundred. That's a few. There's seven billion people alive today in the earth. And we've got less than a hundred making it right now. Do you see how few are going to make it? Hey, Jesus said it was going to be a few. Work out the percentage of all the billions of people that have lived and died, and the seven billion today, and superimpose. Put it into your calculator Let's double it, 200, and see what a fraction that is of those people who have ever walked the face of the earth. Minute. A few, <laughs> would you believe? <laughs> yeah. So here's an extra occurrence of outer darkness. Now, do you see here, the context is a parable. Yeah, Matthew 22, 1, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven. Hey, there's a clue there. We're moving into a section where outer darkness is used. And what's he referring to? The kingdom of heaven. That's the context. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. Now you've got the picture. Listen, we're not talking about a wedding. She said Brianna just got married. Well, a great wedding. We're not talking about a wedding. Yeah, We're talking about, what was it? The kingdom of heavens compared to this wedding. He's shouting out. All the invitations are going out. And nobody's replying. Oh, it's just the two of us, darling. At the wedding. Because nobody's replying. We're going to be on our own. Oh my goodness. So who's he referring to? He's again referring to Israel. The invitation went out to Israel. But nobody replied. Verse 4. And again he sent other servants. Hey, he's not giving up, is he? <laughs> I've got all this food. You know, I've got the photographer lined up. I've got the stretch limo lined up. I've got to get some people in here. So Again, he sent other servants, he said, tell those who are invited. So he's still focused on the redeemed of Israel. See, I have prepared my dinner. Here's the preparation. My ox and my fat calves have been slaughtered. The food's out on the table. What are you doing? Come to the wedding. And everything is ready. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the kingdom. Everything is ready. Jesus Christ has made it ready. By the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have got the hope of this inheritance in the kingdom. Everything is ready. And everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast, for goodness sake. Look at this. But they paid no attention. Do you see that? Can any of us relate to that when we declare the kingdom to people? They pay no attention. I'm not talking about the outsiders. I'm talking about those who are redeemed. They pay no attention. The congregation is holy. I'm going to heaven when I die. No, no judgment's coming my way. It's all good. No, it ain't. Whether you like it, whether I like it or not. The scriptures are crying out to us That that is not the case. Jump off that train. And if you don't jump off that train, you will get to the destination of that train. Which isn't looking good, is it? It's called outer darkness for the most part. Because it's contrary to what Jesus Christ taught. They paid no attention. Wow. And went off. Look at this. Now I want you to relate this to your life and my life when we speak to people. And they went off, one to his farm and the other to the club and the tub and the pub. And while the rest these servants, treated them what? Shamefully. So they're not getting rewarded for declaring the kingdom, are they? They're treated shamefully. Have you ever sent out an email to a friend who made an inquiry no. and you never get a reply? Or they come back and reply to you shamefully. And not only that. Hey, we're not talking about email here. They killed them. Yeah. This is coming up. It came up historically when they did this. And it's going to come up in the future. Kill them. The king was angry. Did you hear that? The king was angry. Now we're still in a parable here. But get the emotion. God doesn't like this. The king was angry. The king was angry. He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, he said to what? His servants, right? The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads, invite to the wedding feast anyone you can find. Because I've got all this food, all this preparations been done. Jesus Christ hung on the tree. He's shed his blood. He's in the holiest of holies making intercession for these guys and they're not paying any attention. Get out there and find somebody who wants to come to the wedding. The kingdom. Yeah. Go therefore to the main roads. Invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found. Both what? Bad and good. It doesn't matter. We're not judging them. Come to the wedding. Come to the kingdom. Good and bad. Look at this next thing there. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Hallelujah. Yeah. The king is happy, isn't he? No, he's not. We're going to see it. The wedding hall is filled to the walls with people rejoicing in the kingdom. But look at the first word of verse 11. But. It's a huge word here. But. So we're going to see that God isn't just happy with the kingdom, with the redemption of those individuals. He's not, he needs more than that. But when the king came in to look at the guests. That's interesting, isn't it? Now could this be the judgment seat? Because we've got the redeemed, don't we? We've got the redeemed heading for the kingdom, in the kingdom. And now we're, you know, they're raised in that first resurrection, imperishable spiritual bodies. But that's not just it. He's going to look at us. Yeah? He's going to look at us. What's he going to look at? Tells us right here. He came in to look at the guests. He saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. Now that does not mean he's standing there start naked. Right? We're going to see that. But do you see here, he's a guest. In other words, he got an invitation. He replied, RSVP, and he's qualified to be there in the sense that he was redeemed. He had the redemption. He's already been... This is, now bear in mind here, everyone has already been resurrected in this record. We're not talking about resurrection. We're talking about what happens prior to entering into the kingdom right so this guy this guest yeah is standing there in his resurrected spiritual imperishable body but he's about to get chucked out yeah so this guy has experienced the first resurrection we know that cuz he's where he's in the spiritual imperishable body he's standing there in the kingdom jesus walks over to him. hold on a minute how did you get in here because we're going to see he's not deemed worthy to be in it. Why not? Because bear in mind, he's still redeemed. Yeah? But he's not deemed worthy. Why? Now look, look at verse 12. Really interesting verse. Really interesting verse here. Yeah. And he said to him. Is this is the king now. yeah." And he said to him. Friend. He didn't say. What the heck are you doing here? You're an enemy. No, he's a friend. Why is he a friend? Because he's redeemed. He qualified to be in that first resurrection, but he went in the wrong direction. Remember Daniel 12 too. I own on life, I own on contempt. He took the wrong turning. <laughs> yeah. Jesus looked at him and said, how did you get in here? And where? This is a reference, this is, this is a simile of the kingdom. Yeah, remember that. Don't forget that. This is the kingdom. He said, okay, friend, you get in here. You were redeemed. You you got up in the first resurrection like your spiritual imperishable body. But! Look what he says. Without a wedding garment. So what's the prerequisite for entering into the kingdom? It's not getting into a spiritual imperishable body, is it? It's that coupled with Having the right garment on. What is that garment? Well, we're not getting into that this week, but it's in Revelation if you want to look at what the garments are in the kingdom. But we should be asking why does it say he was speechless? Isn't that interesting? The guy was speechless. <laughs> Cause there's no excuse. There's no excuse. This is not a debate in society. He doesn't get into a whole debate now with Jesus as to why he didn't have any garments, which you see from other records of Scripture are his works. Now, you don't get redeemed by your works. He's already redeemed. But the full salvation into the kingdom, an element of that is how you walk in obedience. How you walk in faith. Towards that promised inheritance is what determines the outcome. But look at this. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and food and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not a good place to be. Don't think that outer darkness is you getting a nice little hammock between two trees and God switches off the lights. Oh, that's outer darkness now. This is not a place to go. We're gonna see in the next record, it's a place that every one of us should avoid like the plague. Number one, we don't know how long it lasts. It's for an undetermined period of time. For many are called, but few are chosen. Third reference, twenty five, fourteen, Matthew. For it now again this is a parable, this is set in the context of our parable for it. We should be immediately ask you, what's it? Verse 1 tells us, then the kingdom of heaven will be like. <laughs> yeah. So there it is. But we're starting off in verse 14. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. Do you see it's his servants? They're his servants. And entrusted them to his property. Now we should be immediately asking, what property did Jesus have? He told us before he didn't even have a pillow to put his head on. yeah. And remember, this is a parable, it's a simile, which is communicating what? A heavenly truth, isn't it? So it's not referring to a physical property here, is it? So what did he have? Can I ask us, what did he have? What property did he have? What did he entrust to his servants, to his followers? That's what we should be asking ourselves. The only thing he's depicted as given to anyone is the knowledge of the gospel. The knowledge of his earthly coming kingdom is the responsibility of his followers. It's the responsibility of his servants. The knowledge of his coming earthly kingdom. Verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. And where did he go? Into the heavenly tabernacle. (laughs) Yeah? That's where he is today. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. Fantastic. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground... And hid his master's money. It's hidden. So the message of the kingdom is not getting out. Do you understand? Yeah? Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Did you get that? There's accountability. The church has got so far away from this, yeah, that no one is accountable. The accountability as far as they're concerned, was taken by Jesus on the cross. Yes, it was for our past sins, but that doesn't mean you can just space out now and do absolutely nothing. We're going to see it in this record. He's going to hold them to task for what they did with what he gave them. So there's a settling of accounts here, guys. Chapter 25, verse 20. And he who had received, I'm going to do a little bit of speed reading here. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. Now bear in mind what the property, is. bear in mind what the treasure is. It's the knowledge of the kingdom. As far as I can see in this section, yeah, I may be wrong, but I can't see anything else that Jesus gave us that was his property. The knowledge of the kingdom is what he wants declared. Verse 21. His master said to him, Well done, good, faithful servant. You have been fruitful over a little. I will set you over much. Do you see that? He's just inherited responsibility. Enter. Enter. Remember what we're talking about? The kingdom. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also Who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good, faithful servant. You have been what? Faithful. You've been obedient. Over a little bit. I will set you over much. He inherited something. Yeah? I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Fantastic. He also who had received the one talent. Oh, hold on now. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. I didn't tell anybody about the kingdom. I hid it. Here you have what is yours. What's he doing? He's looking at himself. I'm redeemed. This is where I read it. I'm redeemed. Here you are. I'm here. Yeah, but I don't want you. (laughs) Yeah. Go see this. But his master answered him You wicked, you slothful servant, you. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. I should have received the redeemed, you, yes, and others with interest into this kingdom. But I'm only getting you now. You slothful, lazy, scared servant. Yeah. So take the talent from him. And give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What's taken away from this guy? That's got to be the question. His inheritance. He didn't get to enter in. Why? Because he was disobedient. He didn't do what Jesus Christ expected him to do. And verse 30. And cast that worthless servant into the outer... Darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's going to be regret. Right. You ever grind your teeth? Yeah? Have you ever cried? That's how Jesus is depicting this place. It's a place of regret. Because we saw the guy earlier who saw into the kingdom and he was thrown into outer darkness. He didn't get to live in the reign of Jesus Christ. Into the ages of the ages. We don't know how long that is. But he didn't get to enter it. He didn't get to enter into the joy of his master. That is not a great place to be. Verse 31 is really interesting. When? And the Greek word here is D-D-E. Yeah, It's a connective participle. The Son of Man comes in his glory... So when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Young's literal I stuck in there as well. yeah. So it's connecting this whole section here with his coming. What does that tell us? It tells us who's involved. Who's involved at his coming? Are the redeemed? We saw that in Daniel 12 too. So God is linking what went before with what's coming next, as you'd expect in a parable, wouldn't you? Verse 32, before him will be gathered all the nations, ties right into the promise of Abraham, all the nations. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come. Come. You, who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Our redemption has been predetermined by God before the foundation of the world. Look at this now. And I put some emphasis on these words. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you gave to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord! When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did you, we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked? they scratching their head. What's he on about? We never did that for him. Or naked and clothe you. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did. Did you catch that? As you what? Did. They did something. Don't lose that. No, this is not... Don't get on, the, on your high horse and start listening to people who start shouting at you, oh, you're talking about all your works getting you into the kingdom. We've got to pray for people with eyes to see and ears to hear. Yeah. Don't waste your breath with people who just want to trick you, who want to try and superimpose theology on top of the scriptures. Yeah. Hightail it out of there. Truly, I say to you, as you did, To one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What a perspective of life for every one of us, sitting here today, listening to this on the internet. Yeah. Every time we bless our brothers, who's our brothers? Those who do the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ made that very clear when his family was outside the door shouting, Jesus, time for dinner, come on. He said, no, this is my family. Remember the train I talked about, the family relationships, the church relationships—that can be tough. You've got to jump off though, because you've got to magnify this above all of that. Then he will say to those on his left, "Depart from me, you cursed!" It to the Ionian age-lasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's not a nice, comfy hammock. And as I said at the beginning, we've got to limit ourselves to what the Scriptures say. But it's Ionian. It's it's, it's an age. It's got a beginning. It's got an end. But we don't know how long. Why? Because the scriptures don't tell us. And if the scriptures don't tell us, don't guess. But it ain't nice. That's what I want you to see today. And we know Satan's bound for a thousand years, don't we, after Christ comes back? In that age. Yeah? And he then is released for a short time. Remember that. What's a short time with an eternal God? I keep saying that. I don't know. Because the scriptures don't tell us. yeah. But there's no record of the redeemed coming out of this situation. It just says they're into the ages. And it doesn't tell us. It's Ionian. It doesn't tell us. It's an undetermined period of time. So we've got to be so clear on that. Yeah. But it's something to avoid like the plague. Isn't it? We should be so focused on what I need to do. And that's what we've been doing for weeks now. You notice we're not spending weeks on this. We've been spending weeks on what it is we need to do. To get through the narrow gate. Right? Verse 42. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. So he's talking to the other guys, isn't he? For I was hungry you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and imprisoned, you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord! When did you we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? We don't remember that. Jesus. Do you remember the guys who said that yeah they're saying Lord Lord we did all this in your name? But they must have come in a direction that had no focus on those around them. Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of you what? You did not do it. You didn't take the appropriate action for your brothers, for your sisters. Who are they? Those sitting around you who are walking in the will of the Father. You didn't build them up. You didn't help them when they needed help. And when you didn't do it for them, you didn't do it for me. What a perspective for all of us to live life. (laughs) Now, when we don't help our brothers, we don't encourage our sisters, we're doing the same thing to Jesus Christ. And guess what? You and I will be held accountable. And then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do to one of these, least you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal Ionian age lasting punishment, but the righteous into Ionian life, life of the age. So we clearly see this outer darkness is reserved for the unfaithful redeemed. And we saw these same redeemed shouting over the gate. Do you remember them? But they are redeemed, who did not walk in the will of the Father. And they're shown to be trying to come in in the wrong direction. And they were judged for the evil. Do you see how this all fits in with the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? It may not fit into your theology, but change your theology to what's in the Scripture. Now, I know that sounds so easy, but at times it's really challenging for all of us. But you've got to do it. Why? Because the outcome isn't looking bright if you don't. In fact, it's dark, according to this. Because <laughs> uh, you pay by the exclusion of entrance into the kingdom and the joy of the master coming from heaven. Yeah. So this outer darkness, as I say, it's not a, just a nice cozy place with the light's out. Yeah. But again we've got to limit ourselves to what do the scriptures say. And we can only go by what the scriptures tell us. And I say that there isn't that much information on it. So we know this place to be avoided. Got that message. <laughs> At all costs we're to avoid this place, yeah? But how does Jesus show us how to avoid it? That's really important. By being faithful, by walking in the will of the Father, by changing Yeah, Remember, unless you change, you aren't going to inherit the kingdom. Remember that. Don't forget it. You should have it underlined in your Bible. But don't just underline it in your Bible. Underline it in your life and my life. That we've got to change. We've got to become meek. We've got to become humble. We've got to believe what the scriptures say, regardless of anybody else. We've got to do what Jesus Christ said to do. Then we will inherit that kingdom. Because Jesus wasn't joking. He wasn't a comedian. He meant every word he said. Yeah. So we're going to make this a week of changing. Don't we as we close off here? Make it a week of changing. Becoming more humble. Becoming more meek to realize we have to change to his words. Yeah. And he's shown us. And we've been seeing it for weeks now. How to enter through that narrow gate. There's no excuse for any of us. But it takes us doing it. It takes us doing it. This is going to be a week of doing. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatness of your scriptures, Father. We thank you for having made known your Son, Jesus Christ, to all of us. And I thank you, Father, that we can continue with this truth, Father, and we can continue to go by his words and go by the scriptures, Father. Thank you for everyone listening today, wherever they are in the world, that you work in them mightily to open the eyes of their understanding and our understanding, Father, as we move faithfully forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.